number of years ago, I was uh, at Lake Powell uh, with my family, and we were boating around, taking in the gorgeous uh, scenery and exploring the nooks and crannies that surround that, that vast lake. And one afternoon, we happened to travel by boat near the vicinity of Rainbow Bridge. Maybe some of you have seen it. I knew it had been a sacred place to many Native Americans, and I also remembered my mom telling me that she had been there. Well, she was still alive at the time we made that trip to Lake Powell. I remember after the trip, I called her up, and I told her we'd been to Rainbow Bridge. She was probably 93 at the time, and she asked, she said, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, how did you get there? And I replied, we largely got to Rainbow Bridge by boat. And she responded, by boat? How is that possible? In 1935, I went with my father and a guide by horseback. It was the only way to get there. There was no lake. And hopefully you see a picture of uh, my mom on that day in 1935, headed to Rainbow Bridge with no Lake Powell. Well, I was reminded when I spoke to my mom that day that Lake Powell is relatively new and that the Colorado River, unimpeded, is what has carved the magnificent area with all of its canyons we now enjoy. And while it might be a simple topic for some people, I have always had a complicated relationship with dams, the kinds of dams that enable Lake Powell to exist. I know that long before humankind began to destroy God's earth, dams were nowhere to be seen. There was a time in which rivers flowed, rivers flooded, habitats naturally came and went, fish migrated unobstructed, and nature pretty much took care of itself. But then humankind arrived and increased demands for water and irrigation and flood control and hydroelectric power expanded rapidly over time. And as a result, dams were created and dams are now what we have in most places where we have a river. Now I have to admit, I love fishing right below a dam. I also know that most of us enjoy the pros of dams, some of which I mentioned. But certainly dams are not without cost to God's creation. But with all the pros and cons of dams in mind, one thing is crystal clear to me. Dams represent something about our human nature. We like to control things, don't we? We want things to flow when we want them to flow and to stop when we want them to stop. We like having a say as to how things unfold progress and move forward. We enjoy having the upper hand, and we even like to contain things like a dam, like our emotions, our money, or sometimes we even try and contain people around us. Now, having control like a dam itself can be a good or a bad thing. Certainly not having any control would, would lead to a, a very chaotic world. Can you imagine if we had no control over nuclear reactors or if we had no control over when we said something or how we expressed our emotions? Can you imagine trains without brakes or ranches without fences? And what if we had no way to contain people who wanted to harm people for the sake of causing harm? The point of this is that control is not a bad thing in and of itself. 
neither is containing things like a dam. But that said, there's another kind of power out there that often we try too much to control and limit. A source of power for living that we sometimes squash, attempt to hold back, or even try to contain like the water behind a dam. Yet unlike all earthly sources of power, this other kind of power was never meant to be under our human control. And what I'm speaking about is the ultimate power source for living, God's Holy Spirit. Well, as we've mentioned, today is Pentecost Sunday, and Pentecost means 50, and it's been 50 days since Easter. And Pentecost is the day that the Holy Spirit came upon the followers of Jesus after Jesus had been resurrected. And while Pentecost is a Christian celebration, it's important to point out that Pentecost actually has its roots in ancient Judaism. Historically, you may remember the Passover, that when the people were enslaved in Egypt, that God sent plague after plague after plague to the people of Egypt to try and force Pharaoh to release them from slavery. But none of the plagues worked until the night only Jewish children were saved from death. Death passed them over on that first Passover. It was then that the enslaved Jews were freed and they fled into the desert under Moses' leadership. And early Jews not only celebrated the Passover event every year, as they still do, but they also celebrated something called the Festival of Weeks. And this was a harvest festival, a time of joy in which people gave thanks for grain and harvest and agriculture. Well, the Festival of Weeks was set to happen every year, 50 days after Passover. And the word for this is Shavuot. And long ago, it was expected that Jews would travel to Jerusalem for this festival. And for this reason, when Jesus' disciples were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus' resurrection, the city would have been totally packed with people. And it was. And it's during this celebration that the Holy Spirit came and filled the people as described in the book of Acts. And from that day forward, the Holy Spirit moved powerfully among the people, and the message of Jesus spread like wildfire. Well, as I like to do each Pentecost, I thought it might be useful just to spend a few moments this morning exploring the Holy Spirit with you. Just who is the Holy Spirit? And what, what is it that the Holy Spirit does within us and among us and between us and within this community of faith? Well, simply put, the Holy Spirit is the presence and power of Jesus within you right now, whether or not you are aware of that presence and that power. And Christ's power, Christ's Spirit, is found everywhere and in every person. The Holy Spirit is living within you right now, regardless of how much you are aware of that Holy Spirit presence within you. Some Christians refer to the Holy Spirit, some of you may remember, as the Holy Ghost. And just as an aside, the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit are all one and the same. Those are interchangeable phrases. Well, anyway, the Holy Spirit, the presence and power of our Lord within, does lots of things within us and, and through us. And what the Holy Spirit does is not only amazing, 
but expansive. So let's take a look at a few of the things that the Holy Spirit does. Well, first of all, you may remember that in the book of Genesis chapter 1, when God began creation, we are told that God's Spirit hovered over the void and over the waters. That Spirit is the Spirit of God. And it tells us that God's Spirit was around at the very beginning of creation. And it tells us that the Holy Spirit is what gives us life to begin with. It is the Spirit that breathed life into the first human being. And it's the same Spirit that created each one of us, just like all of creation. It is the same Spirit that is the source of, of every breath that we take. So that when we take a breath, we're actually taking in the presence of God within us. We are alive only because of the life-giving source and power of God's Spirit. Well, aside from this, the Holy Spirit does amazing other things aside from giving us life. The Holy Spirit is what makes us creative people. The Holy Spirit is what gives people amazing ideas. The Holy Spirit is the source of our imagination and our ingenuity that benefits humankind. The Spirit is where your gifts come from and your talents come from. It is the Holy Spirit that leads people in medicine and mental health and space exploration and geology and biology and writing and, and music. Paul and Miha's gifts of music are from the Holy Spirit, and they both know that very well. But aside from this, it is the Holy Spirit that is always teaching us and showing us how to live and, in fact, teaching us how to pray. Paul one day wrote that the Holy Spirit prays for us with sighs too deep for words when we don't know what to pray for ourselves. It is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, that comes alongside of us and helps us when we're feeling hopeless or simply lost and don't know what to do. And it is this same Spirit that is our constant companion and helper. Jesus said, my Spirit will come among you. My Spirit will be your advocate. The Holy Spirit is what helps us overcome incredible odds. Also, the Holy Spirit is our power source for living. It's where we get the motivation to do what we do in life. God's Holy Spirit is what makes our purpose in life clear for us. God has a vision for your life this day and for me. God has hopes of what God wants to do through you this day. God wants our lives to mean something this day in the lives of other people, and it's God's Holy Spirit that shows us these things. And it's the Holy Spirit, the power source for living, that gives us the skills and the strengths and the motivation for all good things in life to happen. Now Jesus, in the Gospel of John, told his followers that after he was resurrected, that he would not leave them alone or isolated or abandoned. Jesus committed that he would be within each person in the form of the Holy Spirit. And that the role of the Spirit, Jesus said, is to teach you, to comfort you, to lead you, to strengthen you, and to come alongside of you. This is why it's important to remember that the Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing, but the presence of God, as I've mentioned. This is why the Spirit is often described not only like fire, but like wind. You may not actually see the Spirit, but you can see the effects of the Spirit, as you can often tell when the Spirit of God is acting. 
Well, earlier I said, this is, those are just a few things the Holy Spirit does, and there's more. But earlier I said that it's vital that all of us, as we think of power in our human capacity, that having some limits on power is a good thing. But I also said that sometimes we take this understanding of limiting power and we sometimes apply it to the power of God. And this is sad, because when we try and contain God's power, we end up putting limits on what our own lives can become. When we try and limit God's power as a community of faith, we limit what a community of faith can become. In contrast, just look at what happened on the day of Pentecost, when the, first, when the followers of Jesus received the power of the Holy Spirit without trying to contain it. They suddenly spoke in 15 different languages. 3,000 people turned their lives to God and were baptized. And Peter spoke to crowds with such passion that hearts and minds were immediately changed. And the days that followed Pentecost, through the limitless power of God, many people were healed of diseases in mind and body, and people of faith willingly shared what they had with people in need. And it was during this time that Paul was converted from being the biggest persecutor of Christians to being the most ardent disciple of Christ. And soon the story of Christ spread out quickly to countries all over the Mediterranean and beyond because those early Christians didn't try and contain what God was trying to do through them. Well, a few moments ago I described dams and how they're good and bad. Now, in your own mind, I'd like you to a picture a dam, whatever it is that comes to mind. And as you picture a dam with that image, I'd like for you to picture or envision another kind of dam in your mind. And maybe the vision of a literal dam helps, but picture or envision another kind of dam. This other kind of dam has everything to do with trying to restrain or contain what God is doing in your life. Picture yourself and within your mind a dam that is trying to hold back the power of the Holy Spirit moving within you. Now, I've built such dams in my life at various times. And I've done so to try to keep God's power moving within me. And I know I did so because I was afraid of what God might do or nervous, or simply not trusting of what the Spirit wanted to do. And if I'm honest with myself, I think in my life journey there have been times when I've only wanted God to do so much or to do what I wanted God to do for me without letting God do what God wanted to do. There have been times in which God made me feel uncomfortable or was trying to stretch me or call me into situations that I didn't feel like I had total control. And as I think about my life, this makes me sad, and I know it makes God sad when I do this because I need to trust that God wants even always what is best, even if I'm not in total alignment with it. In your life, have you ever held back from doing something you somehow believed you needed to do? Have you ever put limits on yourself? Again, when you felt like the thing you were limiting was actually something you felt prompted to do, even if you didn't know where that prompt was coming from. And sometimes when we feel prompted or like we need to do something, what's going on is it's God's Spirit trying to move us in a new direction. More specifically, have you ever thought, well, God's trying to nudge me, and I'm on limit this. 
Have you ever tried to keep control of your life instead of letting God have his way with you? Have you ever felt God asking you to do something or to change something about something in your life that scared the heck out of you? Or have you ever been in a church in which it was clear that people were restrained and did not want to take too many chances or risks? As I thought about putting up a dam to contain the Holy Spirit, it seems to me that there are a variety of ways that we can try and limit or restrain the power movement of God. And for just a few seconds, I want to explore some ways and some things that can cause us to try and restrain or hold God back from having God's way with us. First, there's our history. Sometimes we try and limit what the power of God is trying to do by holding on to what we have known and what feels familiar and comfortable. Many churches are guilty of this. We can't do that. We've never done that before. Yet God is always on the move, doing new things, because God never seeks to maintain the status quo. Scripture, the entire Bible, is actually a document of the importance of continual change and transformation and movement. And like a river without a dam, God's Spirit is always moving, even through our histories. And I have to say that within my own life, the best things have come from flowing and moving and letting go and releasing, even releasing those things that have been important in my life throughout my life history. But aside from our history holding us back, sometimes we are constrained in letting God have his way with us because we're concerned about safety. Sometimes we try and limit what the power of God is trying to do because we seek safety and security and what is known ahead of being faithful. Ultimate security and safety, however, is found in Christ, not through anyone or anything else. And when we forget this, we end up seeking measures that make us feel safe and secure that at best are ultimate, tenuous, and temporary. This is why Jesus so often challenged people to think, what is it that makes you feel secure in life? What is it that makes you feel safe in life? Are those things getting in the way of a relationship with me? It's why faithfulness sometimes demands that we let go of security. Aside from history and safety, sometimes we try and constrain what God's trying to do by putting our trust more in people or in objects or material goods than we put our trust in God. And while there certainly are trustworthy people, Ultimately, we need to remember that if we want God to move in an unlimited way in our life, it is God that we need to trust the most, even when outward circumstances are tough and hard and painful. But aside from history and safety and who it is that we ultimately trust, there's the issue of control. We try to limit what God's power can do by seeking to maintain control over our lives, over our relationships, over others, instead of yielding control to God. And from the beginning of the Bible to the end, human beings forever have struggled as you and I have with who is in charge. Yet it's when we yield control of our lives and the direction they take, when we yield ourselves over to God, it is when God's power is unleashed in us in ways that will amaze us. And finally, aside from the dams that we put up in our life of our history and safety and trust and control that constrain or contain the movement of God, or at least we think it can, sometimes we have fear. And fear itself can diminish our ability to see the power of God in our lives. 
fear can limit what God can do because it causes us to hold on to things that get in the way. Fear is like a dam that has totally shut off the water from flowing down a river. The riverbed quickly dries out, wildlife goes away, and the riverbed turns into sand. That is what fear does to us. It takes us away from what our lives are meant to be. This is why perhaps the most frequent statement in the Bible, of course, is fear not. As I was thinking about all this this morning and the power of the Holy Spirit and thinking about my own life and how sometimes my history when I'm used to, sometimes being concerned about safety, sometimes wondering who it is I ultimately trust or control or fear, all these things, it reminded me of a time, I may have shared this story before, of, of a time when Regina and I went to an uh, African-American Pentecostal church in South Boston uh, where I was working at, at the time at its shelter. But Regina and I went to this service and we were the only white people in the service. And it was a very charismatically oriented service. And people obviously could see that we were not uh, from there <laughs> at the beginning. But we were there, and the service went into one hour and two hours and three hours. And it was really awesome. And uh, then things got a little wild. And people started falling down the aisles and uh, speaking in tongues. And it was, it was pretty cool. But I was a little freaked out being an old Episcopalian. And, uh, but anyway, so the pastor called me and Regina up separately. And he asked congregants to surround us. And next thing I know, I'm like lying on the floor with a sheet over me. And you know, I was just totally overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was an astonishing experience. It taught me. Robert, get over your history, get over your need for security, get over your need for safety, get over feeling like you have to control things, get over your fear, let God have God's way with you. Anyway, just a side illustration. Well, with everything I said in mind, today is Pentecost. And it's a day that I think is so important for each of us to remember that there's an astonishing power within you and within me right now. God's power. And there's no limit to the power of God in our lives. It's a great time this day to think about what dams have we put up in which we're resisting God's movement in our life? And why have we put those dams up? What is it that we're trying to hold back from? I believe today is a good day to remember that God wants us to live like a flowing river without a dam flowing in this direction and that wherever God leads. God wants more for our lives, your life and my life, than we ever imagined. And God does not want us to be dammed up like a river. So we need to pray every day that God will have his way with us, that we'll have the courage to let God have God's way with us. Now, before we pray, I'd like to invite each of you to take a moment right now and to think about your life. And to think about your life, where it is that you're needing some help or some guidance or some direction or some strength or release or hope. Is there any area in your life in which you're feeling just stuck? You can't move past something. I want you to think about that area in your life where, where you're feeling those kinds of things. Help, I need help or guidance, direction, strength or release. I just need to be unstuck from this. 
Well, I'd like to invite us now in thinking about whatever it is you just came up with. I'd like, I'd like to ask you to ask God's Holy Spirit to come into you right now and to fill you from head to toe and to shed light on this situation, whatever it is that you're dealing with, and to fill you with God's power in dealing with it. And so I just want to spend a few moments in silent prayer as we each focus on receiving the Holy Spirit, particularly as it relates to whatever it is that we've just come up with. And so come, come Holy Spirit, come among us and come within us.